0: That's investher, H E R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket. Just
1: jump in and do it. Too many people sit there and analyze things to death and they miss out on so much opportunity. And that's one of the things we talked about how immigrants succeed here.
0: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a non-profit or cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause if you'd like to one learn more about the causes that we're profiling we do one a month then go to bestevercauses.com and if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Rattan Khatri. How you doing, Rattan?
1: I am fabulous, Joe. How are you doing today?
0: Well, I am fabulous as well and nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Rattan, I actually... Got to meet him in Denver at the best ever conference. I had met him for the first time and really enjoyed talking to him. And well, I enjoyed talking to him so much that I thought we would get a lot of value from interviewing him as well on the show. And here is why he immigrated to the U.S. in 1970 and he owns 30 rentals. He did his first syndication. In 2017, he syndicated 50 single-family homes. He owns and runs his own property management company in Muskegon, Michigan. And with that being said, Raton, do you want to give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Well, as you said, being immigrated here, I moved to a small town not too far outside of Detroit in Claussen, Michigan, and I understand you grew up in Flint, Michigan, so we were practically neighbors, you know, <laughs> off the road, a piece on I-75. <laughs> yep. So I went to Western Michigan University. I went to flight school there and was going to be a commercial pilot. I am a, still a licensed commercial pilot, but I don't do it professionally. That's where I met my wife, and we've been married 36 years and together 40 since college. And I always loved real estate, and about my first house shortly after graduating from college, and we lived in that for about six and a half years. And then we moved to the west coast of Michigan over to Grand Haven, Michigan. And I bought a house across the street from Lake Michigan there. And my wife and I, we fixed that up. And then we flipped that in 10 months. And then I bought another house there. And then down the road, I got into the mortgage business. I was a mortgage broker for many years until the crash and started buying a lot more property during the crash because it was cheaper. And then it got cheaper again. And I bought some more. And then it got cheaper again and I bought some more and then decided to start a property management company. We managed just under 200 units at this time. And as you mentioned earlier, we bought a portfolio of 50 single family homes slash syndication slash joint venture. I met two of my good friends that I have in Muskegon. I asked them if they wanted to go in on it with me and we put the 10% down and seller financed the difference. And we turned it over to a third party management company, even though I own a management company, so there was no conflict of interest. and we're looking forward to doing more and this is why I came to your conference to meet people that are doing apartment buildings and mobile home parks and self storage units and it was a home run.
0: Well, I'd love to hear that about the conference, and even more so, I'd love to hear your story and how you've gotten to where you're at. So let's dig in. Oh, let's see. You said you bought a portfolio of 50 homes and it was a joint venture slash syndication. Can you Mm -hmm. elaborate on that? Yes. It didn't have
1: to go too far and too wide to find some partners that wanted to make the investment. So the offer was actually made on the table at the local landlord association meeting. A retiring landlord who was in his seventies and he had his son and daughter manage the portfolio for a while, but that apparently wasn't working out. So, he actually put it on the table. He set the price and he set the down payment terms and the interest rate. So, he was going to hold a note for the difference and it was kind of a (laughs) no-brainer. And the last seven, eight months, we've been improving the portfolio, taking care of any deferred maintenance, improving the properties, and also a little bit of tenant changeover to improve the rent roll and collection rate. And it's very possible that we already have a potential buyer for it, and I, it's going to be a surprising – I don't even want to call it a home run. I'm going to say it's going to be a grand slam if it happens the way I think it's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the price and the down payment terms. You said 10% down, so we got that. What was the price for the 50 unit?
1: He was asking $1.1 million, and uh, we agreed to that, and then we did our due diligence. We inspected a handful of their properties, made sure they all had their certificates of occupancy. And we physically inspected maybe only about 15 or 20 of the properties. And based on that, uh, we were able to get a small reduction in the price of about 50 grand. So he financed the difference, and he had set the terms at 6% on a 15-year note because he wanted cash flow for the rest of his life. And the gentleman was a very well-respected landlord. He had always taken good care of his properties and had a great reputation. So it was, like I said, a no-brainer to jump into it. And since then, I might have actually found another 70-unit portfolio to buy in Jackson, Michigan.
0: Okay, before we get into that 70-unit that you might have found, I'd love to learn more about that. I'm writing it down so we come back to it. The price originally was one point one and then it got lowered about fifty thousand, so what one million fifty thousand ish? Exactly, exactly. Okay. So that's about twenty two thousand a door. Yep,
1: a little over twenty, yes.
0: Okay, a little over twenty thousand a door. You only inspected fifteen to twenty, so less than fifty percent of the homes that you purchased, but it's a million dollar purchase. So what is your thought process there?
1: Well, we could have inspected every single property. We inspected what we thought would have been the worst ones after doing an exterior drive-by. We did drive-by all of them. And even though it's 50 units, it's actually 55 total occupable units because some of them are duplexes. So we went into the ones that on the exterior drive-bys appeared and needed the most maintenance and so forth. And all the rest of them, they looked really sharp and they had longer-term tenants in them, and we only had a two-week window to do our due diligence, and we were satisfied. We've not had too many surprises. We planned on having to replace a few furnaces, and we planned on having to do a few roofs just from the exterior. So, so far, there haven't been any surprises, and the management company that we took on to manage them for us is doing an exceptional job, and the portfolio just continues to improve in value and in quality of tenants and in quality of properties.
0: The down payment 10% is 105000 Did you three split that equally and get equal ownership?
1: Yes. We set up an LLC and we had one of our local attorneys who was also a friend of all of us draw up an operating agreement and we set up a bank account. And we all three put in one-third each, basically. And my one-third is actually me and my wife, and we did that through our our retirement account. And that's one of the reasons I couldn't touch the property, so we had to have a third-party management also for that reason. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, I was going to get to that question that you mentioned about it, but you just answered. Okay, cool. So you each have 33.333. 3% ownership in the deal, and you have equal say in what takes place, right?
1: Yeah, we have a meeting about once a month. We get a report from the management company. We review the maintenance costs and evictions and so forth. And right now, I believe of all the occupiable units, we only have two that are vacant. So the demand is very strong in our market as it is in most markets. So we're able to keep them more or less full. It didn't start out that way, of course, but our cash flow first month might have been like fifteen or seventeen thousand dollars, and the last couple of months so it was in the mid twenties. And at full capacity, it should be about thirty thousand a month.
0: Is that income or the net? top line? Top line, gross income. Got it. Cool. It's just a basically a partnership. So just, you did a joint venture with a couple friends and you each put 33% in. As far as the business plan goes, you said early on it wasn't as smooth as it is now. How much did you allocate to invest into these properties?
1: We have put everything that has come in back into the properties. All of us decided that we weren't gonna take anything out until the portfolio was running satisfactorily and cash flowing properly. We've only had it, like I said, seven months, and we've all put in another five or 10 grand a piece in since then for all the maintenance that was unfortunately deferred. And we have taken care of all of that stuff. And then this spring, we're going to be putting on a half a dozen or so roofs. So our estimation was it would take six months to a year to get the portfolio performing at the projected expectations.
0: Okay. So you've put in 105000 initially plus up to about 30000 so that's 135000 or so. And for these new roofs, are you out of pocket or is that from the cash flow from the property?
1: Most of it should be from the cash flow from the properties. We don't anticipate having another cash call, but sometimes you don't know. But um, overall, each month, the rent roll has increased and the collections have increased. And the quality of the tenants has increased, so the pay performance is getting better each month.
0: Did you anticipate having the first cash call? Yeah,
1: we kind of expected it, and we planned for it. We had a meeting, and we said, hey, you know, end of the month, we're going to need 10 grand, and we were able to take care of it. So it was not a surprise.
0: With three people who have equal ownership and have put in the same amount, how do you determine... Who has the additional responsibilities like overseeing the management company? You got seller financing, that's pretty easy. But insurance is in place and property taxes are paid, all that stuff.
1: Right, initially we found the insurance company and the management company pays the insurance. The tax bills go to the management company and they actually pay them almost a month early. So the taxes are all current and they handle the day-to-day issues. And then one of our partners, Stephen, and I think you're actually going to be interviewing him in the future because he does the sheriff sales. He has taken the lead on communicating with the maintenance person at the management company. And when they have issues over, I think it's either 500 or or $1,000, they give Stephen a call and Stephen approves it.
0: You said you might have a, not a home run, but a grand slam. What information can you share about that? We
1: had a broker from Grand Rapids, Michigan that we contacted that had sold a similar portfolio in Lansing, Michigan, 60 properties for only $3.3 million. So we contacted that broker to see if they had any buyers that missed out on that portfolio or maybe couldn't afford that portfolio and were looking for something similar to that. And they indicated to us that, yes, they did. And we haven't listed it yet, but we've been communicating with them and they have put a value of about 179 on this portfolio if we were to list it today.
0: I'll round up to 1.8 million, and you're all in about less than 1.2, I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's $600,000, and then you got miscellaneous fees and things.
1: Cash on cash, it's, I don't know, it's... Five or six times. I haven't done the math because it's not in our, our bank yeah, account yet. Not a real thing <laughs> yet.
0: Yep. It's nice to have those projections, but then whenever it comes to reality, that, that's great though. That's a great sign.
1: It is. And the funny thing about having the three of us, myself, I was more optimistic about the value. I kind of thought that they were worth fifty a piece. And Stephen, he was more pessimistic. He thought they were about thirty a piece. I'm sorry, I meant forty a piece for myself. And then Gary, our third partner, he was in the middle at thirty five and the real estate broker from Grand Rapids came in at a value of 36.5 average per unit. So Gary was closer and I was too optimistic.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, anytime you can take $35,000 and then multiply that by four or five in a span of 24 months, assuming everything pans out, bravo, right? You take that (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Again, uh, having the three of us, it was kind of a uh, unique situation. We've all done joint ventures before. We've all had partnerships before. And I kind of took the lead on this one. Steven initially didn't want to do it, but I twisted his arm a little bit. And Gary was on board in two minutes. And uh, it was a pretty simple deal. All of us have a lot of experience and we knew what we were getting into. So there's no surprises in that sense because we know the marketplace well. They're all in our own backyard, and we all own properties in our backyard.
0: Would you cash out, pay the taxes, or would you do 1031? Mine is going to go back into my retirement account,
1: so I will be affected. Steven is going to probably do a 1031 exchange on his share, and Gary, I think, is going to end up paying capital gains.
0: How can Steven do a 1031 and you two not do it?
1: Well, we have the LLC, so we're selling the LLC and the proceeds that go back into the LLC should revert back to the entities that own the shares in the LLC. Hmm. So Even, in my case, my Roth IRA owns it, so the funds will go back to my Roth IRA because my share is owned by the Roth IRA.
0: The entity that you currently have would need to be on title for the next deal, right? Exactly. Got it. And so you two would exit. One person would take The money and pay taxes, you would put it back in your account. And then the third individual who would 1031 would need to factor in you two exiting because when he eventually sells, he's going to have to pay the taxes on the gains that would have been paid out for the whole entity right now. Correct.
1: I don't know all those details, Joe. But my best guess is that I know that I won't be paying any taxes on it because my Roth IRA owns it, and the 1031 exchange part. Because you know, like if we had made a profit on the first four months, which we didn't, at the end of the year, we would have received a K1 for whatever proceeds that our each individual entity received from our one third, and we would
0: pay tax on our own one third. Hmm. I'm guessing that's what's going to happen, but have that person talk to a 1031 person because basically the entity is going to have to pay taxes on the whole gain eventually whenever they stop 1031-ing. And so people who exit out in between point A and point Z, there's going to have to be some sort of calculation of what those taxes would have been. Otherwise, the person, when the music stops and there's only one chair, the person with the property at the very end, 20, 50 years down the road, has got a huge tax bill if they're not preparing in advance.
1: I understand and I agree with you. So they will have to look at that carefully.
0: 70-unit deal. How'd you come across that? Well, I was at the
1: Grand Rapids Rental Property Owners Association Conference last weekend. And they have what they call a deal room where people enter and talk about deals they want to sell and deals that they want to buy. All three of us were actually there at the conference. And then during two different deal room sessions, I had mentioned that we have this portfolio for sale and that I'm looking for more. And there was a realtor from Jackson, Michigan that said that there had been a landlord that owned 70 some units and he had passed and his son was having difficulty managing the properties. So she's going to get me the information And once I have the information, I'll evaluate the deal and do the due diligence and see if it makes sense to pursue further.
0: Is this the same meetup that you got the first deal from?
1: No, the first deal was from the Landlord Association that meets in Muskegon, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of that, and I do frequently the seminars that teach all the different landlords different things. And as I have a management company, I'm exposed to more experiences, and more situations that occur. So I share those monthly at the Muskegon meeting. And the Grand Rapids Association is a much larger uh, association, and they put on a convention once a year in DeVos Place in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it's a very nice conference, and they have national speakers come in. And then during the breakout sessions, one of them is the deal room session, breakout session. That Jackson thing came from Grand Rapids.
0: Do you remember how much the ticket was to the grand rapids conference it's free free so you went to this grand rapids conference and you might get a deal from it and then you attended the local landlord association meetup in muskegon michigan and you did get a deal from that yes there's a theme here clearly yeah uh, we should all <laughs> attend our our local meetups first off but secondly When the individual, the gentleman who had the portfolio of the 50 homes, stood up and said, here's what I've got, here are the terms, how many people went up and talked to him?
1: Well, he was in Florida, actually, and one of his friends had a handwritten copy stapled together of the portfolio, uh, it was nothing formal. And uh, the gentleman just put uh, five or six copies on the table. I grabbed one. Gary, one of my partners, grabbed one. Stephen had already heard about it uh, during the day earlier, and I already had spoken to the gentleman while he was on the golf course in Florida and was asking if he could split up the two different cities that the portfolio in. Both cities are adjacent to each other, but Stephen didn't want 15 other properties, and the gentleman said, no, it's all or nothing. So Stephen had originally passed on it, but I twisted his arm the next day, and we ended up doing the deal.
0: So what I heard is someone put five or six copies on the table, and you and your crew took all those six copies so no one else could bid on the deal? No, 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 <laughs> I'm no, 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 kidding. I, 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 <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, the answer to your bigger question is many other people were not interested. We're in a smaller town, and unfortunately, many of the landlords still want to self-manage, which... I've always tried to educate people on why that's not a good idea and why they're just creating a job for themselves. And my management company, the reason I was at the Grand Rapids Conference is I, I had actually a booth there to promote my management company and promote the city of Muskegon as where the deals are because Grand Rapids, like many other markets, has grown substantially and price points are higher than ever, rents are higher than ever, and the cap rates are and the fives and sixes now, and just the deals just aren't there. So Muskegon is 30, 45 minutes down the road, and you can still find exceptional values and exceptional cap rates, and sometimes even you can find terms. So not a lot of people jumped at that portfolio, and for us and for our experience that all three of us partners have, it was kind of a no-brainer.
0: Would someone without the experience in your market be able to pull that off because you hired a different third-party management company. So it's not like you're the one on the ground in this case. So could a New York City investor, if they heard about this deal, could they have pulled it off too?
1: Absolutely. I manage for many people from California. I have a group out of California that I manage 67 of their properties for and inside my management company. So yes, uh, we have a lot of -of out-of-state investors that find fabulous value in the city of Muskegon. And I think sometimes when you're too close to a market, you kind of have a negative view of it. And cash flow is fabulous. And I saw no reason not to do it. And if these two guys hadn't wanted to do it, I would have found three other guys that have wanted to do it.
0: Next time, give me a call, please. <laughs> <laughs> I All right. certainly will. I'll, I'll take you up on that. What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: I think I have a couple different points, if I may. Number one, if you're a beginning landlord, do not do it yourself. Hire the management company. My company, we have a flat fee model. We charge 60 bucks a month. And it's well worth every penny so that the beginning landlord doesn't have to go and do everything themselves. And if the property is a turnkey property, you shouldn't have to do anything. So that's one piece of advice. Don't do it yourself. Hire a management company. And the overall advice really would be to just jump in and do it. Too many people sit there and analyze things to death, and they miss out on so much opportunity. And that's one of the things we talked about, how immigrants succeed here and how they think a little bit differently and how they see opportunity, whereas other people just want to analyze it, analyze it, and have other things that they want to do with their investments.
0: And you got a book Did you finish your book? I know you're writing a book about what you just talked about, immigrating here and having success.
1: Yes, the book is written. I'm in the process of editing it and making it more readable and more saleable. I won't give you the title right now, but I will give you the subtitle. And basically to succeed in America, you have to think and act like an immigrant. And the basic things are being frugal, saving, and then turning those savings into investments and assets. And then having those assets produce cash for you to live off of. And the more you do of that, the more you're going to have coming in passively.
0: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Let's go for it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The 7 Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at 7figuresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Best ever deal you've done?
1: Best deal would be, I would say, this 50-unit portfolio. The back-end return on that is just going to be awesome, and I'm going to parlay that into
0: hopefully more and larger deal. Best ever book you've read? I've read
1: many books. I'm an avid reader. One of the first ones that I read about real estate was written by a gentleman named Wade Cook. It was called The Real Estate Money Machine and of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Lowry's books, uh, all the old uh, gurus that originally started this business, I read all of their books, and I apply many of their principles to this day.
0: What's a mistake you've made in business or on a transaction?
1: The commercial building that I'm presently in, I bought that and had it built at the peak of the real estate business before the crash. And unfortunately, it's still mostly vacant and I'm carrying the load, and that was my probably my biggest mistake in real estate.
0: If you were presented a similar opportunity again, how would you approach it?
1: I would have either wanted to pass on it completely, or would have it have it pre-leased before I committed to
0: buy it and have it built. Best ever way you like to give back?
1: I have a friend of mine in Muskegon, and her and I, we put together this house. It's a southern bedroom, three-bath house. And it's called the Patriot House, if anybody wants to do a search on it. And I went to a breakfast meeting one day, and they said there is a major homeless veterans problem in Muskegon County. So when this house came up, I decided I was going to do that for housing the, some of the homeless veterans. And we provide all of the utilities and laundry and Internet and cable and beddings and furnishings. And they pay a minor amount of rent because they can't afford a house on their own or apartment on their own. And we provide housekeeping services, laundry on site. And I love this country. And my way of giving back is to help some of the veterans that need help.
0: How can the Best Ever listeners get in touch with you?
1: We have our website for our management company. It's rkpmgt.com. And also they can call me directly on my cell, which is 231 1181 And I'm also on LinkedIn.
0: Well, Ratan, thank you so much for being on the show and talking to us about this case study, the 50-home portfolio, which is actually more units than 50. What did you say, 56? 55 total. 55. 55 total livable units, 50 homes. The business plan, how you found out about it at the Local Landlord Association, the partnership structure that you ended up doing, and how much you've put into it, where that's gone. And the projected value right now along with those returns based on selling it at that value. So thanks so much for being on the show talking about that as well as your overall approach. Looking forward to reading the book myself whenever your book comes out. And I hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you very much, Joe. I really appreciated it, and best wishes and success to you.
0: Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The 7 Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at 7 com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.